Chapter Three, Part A of Aces Up by Covington Clark. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Night Raiders. On the following Tuesday morning, a group of two spads and several Newports were delivered to Major Cowan's pursuit squadron at Isur Tia. A Lieutenant Smoot, one of the ferry pilots who had flown up one of the Newports, sought to ease the pain caused by his own lowly calling by taunting Texiancy, an extremely dangerous pastime, for Tex had a ready tongue. "'When you buckos have washed out these planes,' he said, "'the old man will see the error of his way and send us up to do the real flying. "'What's left of this gang will then be put to ferrying. "'Did any of you ever see a spad or a Newport before?' Yancey, standing well over six feet, looked down on him pityingly. "'Did you say your name was Smoot or Snoot?' "'Smoot, eh? Well, transportation to the rear is waiting for you at headquarters. Don't let me keep you waiting. I'm surprised you're not pushing a wheelbarrow in a labor battalion, the way you set that Newport down a few minutes ago. Clear out, soldier.' This squadron is getting ready to do some plain and fancy flying. I don't want you to have heart trouble. Huh. You'll have heart trouble the first time you try to land one of those spads. You'll think you have been trained on a peanut roaster. Who's the Britisher over there snooping around with Cowan? Name's McGee, but he's not a limey. He's an American. I'm told he won a couple of medals in the RFC and has sixteen Huns to his credit. He must be good. Oh, he doesn't wear the medals to prove it. Not a bit of swank. What's he doing here? He's an instructor, Yancey replied without hesitation. Oh-ho! So you still need instruction. I heard that Cowan knows it all. Nah, he only knows half. And you know the other half. Too bad both sets of brains wasn't put in one head. In that case, somebody would have been almost half-witted. Better toddle along, soldier. The animals are going on a rampage in a minute. Yeah? We'll turn them loose. I'm something of a big game hunter myself. What sort of a flyer is this instructor? Don't know. We'll see in a minute, maybe. He's crawling in that spad. Yep. They're turning her around. Don't go now. You can learn a lot here. During the next ten minutes, the entire squadron and the ferry pilots were given an excellent opportunity to form their own conclusions about McGee's ability to fly. He took the spad aloft in a test, and plunged through a series of acrobatics that served to convince all watchers that here was a man whose real element was the air. Ship and man were one. The group on the ground watched, open-mouthed, despite the fact that they themselves were flyers of no mean ability but they had never flown such ships as the Spads, and the prospect and possibilities made their hearts race with feverish eagerness to take off in one of these trim little hawks. Yancey and Smoot had now joined the watching group around Major Cowan, and as McGee rolled at the top of a loop, Yancey turned to the doubting ferry pilot. "'Yes, I think he can fly. What do you think, brother? When you can do stick work like that, you'll be sent up here to join us.' Major Cowan was equally envious, but he was not one to betray it. "'A very bad example,' he commented testily. "'An excellent pilot, doubtless, but reckless. His take-off, for instance. He zoomed too long. I want to warn you against such a mistake.' The ferry pilot, Smoot, decided to take a chance. 
The example seems good enough, and if that fellow's flying is a mistake, I'm sure Brigade would like to see a lot more mistakes like him. The commander of this squadron will answer to Brigade for the conduct of this group, Lieutenant Smoot, Major Cowan retorted with such acidity that the poor ferryman decided it was time to join his own group and head for the base. But before taking his departure, he relieved his mind in the presence of Yancey, Siddons, and Hampton, who had drawn away from Cowan through a desire to watch the flying, rather than listen to his lectures on the art of flying. "'If you had a flyer like that one up there for a C.O.,' Smoot said to them, "'you'd get somewhere in this little old war. But as it is, you have my sympathy. Well, toodaloo, mes enfants. Be careful with those spads. They were built for flyers.' "'You be careful that you don't fall out of that motorcycle sidecar on the way back,' Yancey retorted. "'They look like baby carriages, but they're not.' As Smoot walked away, stung by this last retort, Yancey turned to Hampton and Siddons. "'How'd you like to have a flyer like that in this outfit?' he asked. "'He's all right,' Hampton replied. "'A lot of the ferry pilots are crack flyers. Just a tough break in the game. It might have happened to you.' "'I wasn't talking about him,' Yancey replied, and pointed to McGee's plane now banking into a landing at the far end of the field. "'I met that bird down there. Oh, McGee. Yes.' Hampton laughed skeptically. "'Fine chance to get a flyer like that.' "'Oh, I don't know. Some American outfit will draw him. He and that other fellow, Larkin, have asked to be repatriated.' "'How do you know?' I was with them in town last night, and they told me all about it. They flew up to Paris day before yesterday, and on the way back they landed at Chaumont and made a call on GHQ. They put their case before the chief of staff and asked him to use his influence. They've made out formal application. Both of them are tickled pink over the prospect. McGee said he would like to get with this squadron. Bully for him, Hampton enthused. Maybe we don't look so bad if fellows like that are willing to throw in with us at Tex. Siddons was coldly skeptical. You have the weirdest imagination. Why should he want to be with us? Don't know. Ask him. I shall, Siddons answered, as he moved over toward the point where he estimated McGee's taxiing plane would come to a stop. Big stiff, Yancey said under his breath. He'll ask him all right, and right out in meetin'. He never believes anything he hears until he has asked a thousand questions about it. What do you see in that fellow to like, Hamp? He's all right, Tex. He was pretty decent to me while I was acting as supply during that time Cowan grounded me. Came around to help me with the paperwork and put in a good word for me. Yeah, he's always chummy with supply and operations, but only because he thinks he can get some favors that way. I despise him. Oh, come now. You mustn't feel that way. We are all in the same boat, and we'd as well be chummy. Ha! Huh. If you ever get in the same boat with that fellow, he will do the steering while you do the rowing. He gives me a pain. End of chapter 3 Part A